to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode four of A New Year's Gift by John Shower. Section six of the redemption of time. How precious and valuable a treasure it is, and will be thought to be, when tis too late. Is the life of man so short and fleeting? Are days on earth so few and so uncertain? How careful should I be to manage every hour, endeavoring to match the swiftness of time by my celerity and diligence to improve it? I can have no business of greater or of equal moment to mind than to secure the happiness of my soul in another world. And shall I lavish my time and lose my pains about things unnecessary? What will all other business signify in the end, if this be neglected? Is there any interest more weighty that calleth me from such work? Is there anything else that so well deserves my time? That may be put into the scales or weighed in a balance against this. Shall eternity, which comprehends all time, have the least share of my time allotted for its concernments? How little a part of my time hath been hitherto employed in such work? How reasonable, how necessary is it to redeem the little inch of time that yet remains but hastens to a period? For as there is no covenant to be made with death, so no agreement for the arrest and stay of time. It keeps its pace, whether I redeem and use it well or not. The greatest part of our life is designedly employed to avoid death. We eat and drink and sleep and labor and rest that we may not die. And yet, even by these, we hasten to death. Every breath, every pulse, every word leaves one less of the number which God hath appointed me and carries away some sands of the glass of time. And yet how little care is taken to employ it well. We seldom value it till we can no longer use it to any advantage. And though we know it can neither be retarded in its motion or recalled when past, Yet of nothing are we more prodigal. Yea, how many complain of it as a burthen and know not what to do with their time, are exceedingly at a loss wherein to employ it and what to do to be rid of it. But alas, how near is that change when they shall think nothing too dear to purchase some few grains of that sand, which now seem too many, while they are passing through their hourglass. How sad will be the review of our lost and ill-spent time. How different an opinion of its value shall we have on a sick bed, or when our time and hope is gone, how many weeks and days and hours, O oh my soul, have I trifled away in sloth and idleness, in foolish mirth, and hurtful company, in vain thoughts, and impertinent discourse. 
in excess of sleep and needless pastimes, feastings, inordinate care to adorn the body or gratify the sensual appetite. All that which is past is irrecoverable, but the little remainder slice apace. How quickly will it be gone? How soon, how suddenly may an unexpected stroke of death conclude it? And yet this is all the opportunity I shall ever have to make my peace with God and prepare for the everlasting world. Did we consider it as we ought, we should not foolishly throw away so much of it in trifles and things impertinent or what is worse. How much more might we redeem than commonly we do? To how much better purpose might we husband it? How much more work might we do were we never idle or did not loiter? We might walk far, did we not often stand still or go out of our way. We see it plainly by the great and excellent effects of some few men's industry in every age. Art hath found means to set spies and watches, as it were, on the sun, that he cannot look out, but they take hold of his shadow and force it to tell how far he is gone that day. And yet, while we were curious in making time give a just account of itself to us, how little do we consider the account of our time, which we must shortly give to God. Oh, that such a thought might effectually persuade me to redeem it, that I may not tarry till the end of time to know the worth of it. Let me not undervalue it, while tis given me to be used, that I may not eternally regret my folly when time shall be no more. God calls me to diligence and labor, the work he calls me to is excellent, and the reward glorious to know and love and serve and obey him in order to eternal life. And shall I yet be idle? Is this the use and end of all my time? And do I know it and believe it? Do I indeed believe it and yet delay and loiter and waste my precious hours in vanity. Am I going into eternity and entering into another world and know that I must be in heaven or hell forever? And have I time to throw away? Am I fit to die and to appear before my judge? Or am I not? Am I made meet for heaven by pardoning mercy and sanctifying grace? Have I the earnest of the Spirit to witness and assure me of it? Is my interest in the promise of eternal life as firm and my evidence of it as clear as it may be made? Am I not conscious to myself that much of this necessary work is yet to be done? And shall such an unprepared soul as mine be careless and indifferent? How I spend my time? Section 7 Of the ordinances of heaven, day and night, summer and winter, seed time and harvest, their order and succession established by God is the effect of infinite wisdom and goodness, what they may teach us. 
When I consider the beginning of another year, I can hardly avoid reflecting on its several parts, summer and winter, spring and fall, day and night, and their alternate turns. This calls me to observe and admire his eternal power and Godhead, wisdom and truth, who is the great author of this admirable variety, who hath fixed the earth with his foot and hanged it on nothing and settled the luminaries of heaven for excellent ends, the sun to rule by day and the moon by night, thereby to distinguish times and seasons, to separate day and night, winter and summer, and consult the convenience of man and beast by their due succession. The day is thine, the night also is thine, thou makest summer and winter. How wonderful is their order, beauty, and constant course, that when the sun withdraws and the shadows of the evening cover the earth with darkness to conclude the day, the moon and stars supply the place of the absent sun during the night, and that though they differ in length, yet gradually lessen till they are both equal at the year's end and have made the same circuit. How excellent a work of God is that quick succession to one another. The supposition of a perpetual night is a dismal, gloomy thought. Oh, what will the everlasting darkness of the infernal prison be? The sun by day enlightens the earth, directs our motion, guides our way, governs our travail, assists conversation, awakens industry, warms the earth and air, gives life and vigor and fruitfulness to all things under the sun, and makes the whole inferior creation to rejoice. An emblem of God's universal goodness, who is kind to all his creatures. How admirable is its luster! How glorious is its light! How loudly doth it proclaim his power and wisdom, who made this and the other lights of heaven, by his powerful word, and them, preserves them hitherto by his daily providence. If God be now so glorious, contemplated in his works, considered in the luster of the created sun, viewed only through the windows of sense, how much more glorious will he appear hereafter when we shall see him face to face and nothing interposed betwixt us and his incomparable light. If mine eyes dazzle to look upon the meridian sun, in what inaccessible light must he dwell, who is the father of lights? If this lower world, the common receptacle of his friends and enemies, have so much of his glory vouchsafed them by the heavenly bodies, oh, what a place will heaven be! where shall be no sun or moon, nor need of any, but the glory of God shall lighten it, and the Lamb be the light thereof. While I thus consider the sun and the day, I must not think the night is useless, which discovers another part of the heavens, not discernible by the day, viz. the stars and planets, refreshing the earth, cooling the air, giving necessary rest to the creatures, etc., 
their order, motions, aspects, oppositions, influences, are all useful and instructive. The agreeable mixtures of light and darkness, the regular succession of day and night within a few hours are exceedingly wonderful and advantageous. In other parts of the world where the sunbeams are more direct and its heat excessive, God hath made amends by the length of the night. Under the equinoctial line, it is always 12 hours. And in the more northern parts where the influence of the sun is weaker, the days are proportionably longer. So good is God to all his creatures in all parts of the world. As the morning and evening answer to the day of 24 hours, so doth spring and autumn to the 12 months of the year, that we may not pass immediately from one extreme to another, but gradually be disposed for so great a change as is between summer and winter and winter and summer. So merciful and gracious and infinitely wise is God in all his works, so that we cannot say one part of the year is more necessary than another. The winter is as useful for the good of the universe as the summer. In this, we are supplied with what is necessary to maintain us in that. And the admirable situation of the sun, most probably, in the center of the world, seems much to contribute to it. If it had been at a further distance from us, our earth would have been, in a manner, desolate, because the influence of the sun could not have been considerable, and if it had been nearer, the stars above would have wanted light, and this earth under been burnt up. The excellent order, which it hath now obeyed for above 6,000 years, is also wonderful. The sun never stood still, but once, and that by a miracle, though much inferior to that of its daily progress. What a subject is here to admire the power, goodness, wisdom, and faithfulness of God. Lord, what is man for whom thou dost all this? And because I find every year that the day dies into night, the summer into winter, and herbs and plants lose their beauty and verdure and shed their blossoms, may I not hence learn to consider and prepare for my own approaching change? In prosperity, health and ease and life, to expect and make provision for trouble, sickness, pain and death, as every wise man in summer would do for winter, and work with all my might while it is called today, while the light continues, because the night of darkness is at hand when none can work. This concludes episode four of A New Year's Gift by John Shower.